Word of God to uh, 2 Corinthians, and you can turn it down just a little bit. Thank you. We miss Brother Brian today, Sister Jack. They're at Christiana Hospital with Sister, who has stage four cancer. She was rushed to the hospital, and we do want to lift them up in prayer. There has been a shift. And so one of the things that we've been trying to do, uh, I've encouraged people, if you want to bless the family with a meal or um, some other form of encouragement, uh, that's the way we do it here. So uh, feel free to reach out to them to let them know that we are praying for them and that we love them. Amen? Amen. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 10. Beginning in the third verse, we read, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Amen. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Some of you um, are familiar with the name Jeffrey Owens. Uh, he's the actor who played the role of a young doctor named Elvin on the Bill Cosby show for eight years. He appeared on, weekly, on the weekly hit show as the son-in-law of Dr. Cliff Huxtable. Several weeks ago, a shopper spotted Jeffrey Owens bagging groceries as an employee at Trader Joe's. Shocked by Owens' apparent misfortune, the woman started taking pictures. She felt like the world needed to know how far Jeffrey Owens' star had fallen. Um, she sent pictures of him, excuse me, to the Daily Mail newspaper they put pictures on the front page intending to job shame the actor that his star, uh, they, uh, they, they put the pictures on the front page intending to job shame the actor that had gone from signing autographs for admiring fans to bagging groceries for bargain shopping, shopping grandmothers. What was intended to humiliate and discourage Owens became a launching path that had not, that has not only resurrected his acting career, it has made him more famous than he ever was. Now, the difference in how the situation could have turned out when the intention was to humiliate and embarrass, 
was how he responded to the attack. Uh, he said that he wanted everyone to know that he's had a wonderful life and that the, it was an honor to him to work an honest job to be able to provide for his family. Now, there were two essential things that enabled him to have a positive response to what could have been, for many of us, a devastating experience. One, he did not allow what people said or thought about him to define him. Amen. Secondly, where you work is not as important as earning an honest living. And I remember that in particular as I thought and wrote uh, when I was getting ready to go to college, I was working in an auto body shop, one of the top in the city of Philadelphia. They prepared police police cars and, and vehicles, the mayor's vehicle, and I was told by the uh, supervisor, look, you're a college man, don't push a broom. Stay away from these grease monkeys. That's what he called his staff. He was a supervisor, but he said to me secretly, and I, I was foolish enough to listen to him, and to this day I know absolutely nothing about cars. <laughs> uh, I worked around mechanics who could take an entire engine out without getting a drop of oil on their clothing. That's how expert and skilled they were. Where you work is not as important as earning an honest wage for your family. If you are going to be a second mile Christian, you need to learn how to shut down stinking thinking. You need to win the battle over your thought life. The greatest hindrance between you and your potential in Christ is what's going on between your ears. And unfortunately, not enough pastors and churches teach believers how to win the battle over their mind. And we want to talk about that today. In fact, in the word of God, uh, in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, God discloses the single most important key to experiencing victory over your thought life. He says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thought life determines how you view yourself and others. When your thoughts are negative, you will draw the wrong conclusions. When you don't think right about yourself, I don't care what your credentials are, where you live, how pretty she is, how handsome he is. If you look in the mirror and you see something that is unattractive and insignificant, your conclusions will be that somehow you are lacking. You are lacking. So we, as you think, your thought life will determine your potential. We will never rise above your, your, our thoughts. If you, if you think wrong, you will live wrong. Whatever or whoever controls your thought controls you. That's why God says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he didn't say turn the air conditioner off. He said turn it up. <laughs> Above all, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. Above all, be careful about what you allow to rent space in your mind 
because your destiny is at stake based on your thought life. And today, we're not going to have a shouting sermon, but I want you to learn how to manage your thoughts in such a way that even when it's raining outside, is not raining inside your brain. Somebody say amen. You must make every effort to protect and allow, not allow the enemy to rent space in your thought life. So we want to consider three things today. I want to talk about what causes us to have negative thoughts. Why do we think so worse first? Why is the sky always crashing? Why is the sun never shining bright enough? Why is it too cold or too hot? Why is there uh, the glass half empty rather than half full? We want to talk about the causes of that. Then I want to talk about what are the consequences when you don't think right. If you're considering marriage or some major career change or investing your money, if you don't think right, pause. Pause. Save somebody, including an employer, the misery because you'll be changing jobs again. If you don't think right, you will not be carrying the light of Christ with you. You will be, walk, you will be carrying darkness because the enemy works through negativity, works through complaining, works through a critical spirit, works through a mind that doesn't think like God does as it relates to who you are in him. Somebody say amen. amen. And then thirdly, we want to look at the cure for stinking thinking. I'm calling it stinking thinking. Bad, bad thought life. So here's some causes for bad thinking or stinking thinking. And I want to call these causes uh, of, of ungodly, negative, twisted, warped thinking. That's, that's what it is, like rotten thinking. Somebody was to open up the refrigerator of your mind, you got some meat up in there that's been rotting because ain't nothing cooling it off. I want to call this negative, ungodly thinking triggers. And triggers are things that wreck, wreck your thought life, just derails it. Just totally, no matter how upbeat you are, the right trigger is pushed, and now you're on the side of the road turned over, and the wheels are rolling, but you ain't going nowhere. You stuck. The first thing I want to share, and we want to come right out of the word of God. Sin nature causes us to think wrong. Amen. We are naughty by nature. All have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. We were born in sin, the Bible says, and shaped in iniquity. We are disobedient because of our nature that we inherited from Adam. And so our sin nature makes us think wrong. Listen to what uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 says about our thoughts, our mind. They are, our minds are darkened in our understanding. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And so one of the things that the word of God says, apart from Christ, our thoughts are dark. We have, our minds have been darkened by sin. Jesus adds, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, he says, from the heart, and the heart in the Bible can represent the totality of a person, the physical organ, 
But in this verse, in the context of this verse, the heart represents the mind. So Jesus says, from the mind comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, lying, and slander. And so not only are our thoughts darkened by sin, every thought apart from Christ in our life, without the, without the move of the Holy Spirit operating in us, Jesus says our thoughts are evil. Uh, Isaiah put it this way, all of our righteousnesses in the sight of God is as filthy rags. So the best thought that I can come up with is evil. The Bible also says in our flesh, in our Adamic fallen, separated nature from God, we, it is impossible for us to please him. So whatever idea that I come up with and it originates from my old nature, God says it is unacceptable. And so the heart, the mind generates apart from Christ, nothing but evil. In, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the scripture says, the natural man, the unregenerate man, the, the man who hasn't been born the second time can, cannot receive that which comes from the Spirit of God. Neither can they know them, comprehend them, understand them, intellectually process them, because everything that comes from the Spirit of God, the natural man whose thoughts are evil and darkened by sin, the Bible says, they're moronic to them. They make no sense. The reason why the, the, the spirits, uh, the thoughts that come from the spirit make no sense to the unsaved person is because they are without the spirit of God. They lack the capacity. They don't have the channel. They don't have the cable. They don't have the hookup. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, let me make three quick observations as we go through this. First of all, our thoughts are darkened to the light of the truth of God. So this darkness that we have, it's to the truth. And so I don't care how bright the light of the word of God is in terms of how he makes things clear. The natural mind doesn't have the switch to turn the light that allows that mind to, uh, to have the Holy Spirit illuminate. So their minds are darkened to the light of the truth of God. And that was the promise of, of Satan to Adam and Eve. He said, the moment that you eat of the forbidden fruit, you will be like God. You will have the knowledge. No, they, didn't have, they had the knowledge of evil, but they lost the knowledge of truth. And so the darkened mind, every thought at its best, unenergized by the Holy Spirit, is evil. Our minds apart from Christ can only think and produce evil thoughts. I've said that, but I'm reiterating it. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how you've been able to maneuver out of this situation or that situation, how many people have patted you on the back, how many people in your family call you for advice. If that advice is contradictory to the word of God, you are operating in darkness and your thoughts are evil and it is without the, the, the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Stay with me. We're going somewhere. The natural man lacks the capacity to accept or understand the truth that is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Mankind doesn't lack intelligence. You listen to CNN, Fox News, great intelligence. What they lack is sanctified intelligence. They have uns there is a wisdom that comes from this world, but the wisdom that comes from this world focuses on the temporal, not the eternal, because they lack the capacity to see the light of God because of our sin nature. Now, one of the things 
if you are a photographer back in the day anyway, when you would when you'd buy your film, you put it in your camera, you load it up, and uh, you would take your pictures, and then you would go into a dark room to develop your pictures. And one of the things that you didn't want to do with the film is ever expose it to too much light. Because if you expose the film to too much light, what would happen to the film, I don't care how perfect the picture was, once it develops, if there was too much light on that film, it will leave a shadow. And the shadow, if you, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever, all those old folk pictures, you look at the pictures, and it's like, you see, you see something. You know there's something, but there's a shadow. And what, what happens, there's nothing that you can do to recover once that shadow is on the frame of the picture. It's permanently damaged. And so, and so what happens to that picture in terms of the permanent damage because it's exposed to the sun and the sun and developing pictures are incompatible. When Adam sinned, he exposed us to divine judgment. And just like that picture is permanently damaged, you can still see images. Our minds are permanently damaged. We have a shadow on the brain called sin. And so everything that I see from the perspective of my old nature is seen through that shadow. That's why Paul says right now we look through a dark, we look through a, a, we look through a grass, glass mirror, but it is, it is, it is, it is opaque. It's, it's not clear. But when we are face to face, then we will ultimately see the Lord as he is. There's a shadow on our brain caused by sin that makes our thoughts evil, darken to the light of God and makes it impossible for us to have the capacity to comprehend the simplest of truths. The first time a person who's unsaved can understand spiritual truth is when they say yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's why the Bible says that the God of this world blinds the minds of them who believe not, lest they believe the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the icon of God. He is the image of God. And so what happens, the devil, through our darkened, evil minds that lack the capacity to understand, he keeps the unsaved person in blindness. And that's why we need the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the dunamis of God unto salvation to whoever believes. And so the, the power of the gospel, it has the ability to remove the, the blinders, the shadow. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Even though we get saved, we still got the shadow on the brain. We still have the old nature. That's why Paul said, walk in the spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Be ye with the spirit. Don't be drunk with wine for that is in the excess. Be controlled. Be under the influence. Be led by the spirit of God because we got the shadow. You got it. Yes, you do. You don't think right half the time when you're walking in your flesh. You've got that darkness. You can't see the light. It's right in front of your face. One of the triggers is sin, sin, our sin nature. We do not rid ourselves of it because we're saved. We take dominance over it, but it is still there. The dead man still yet lives. We need to keep him buried. Stay with me. Here's another trigger. Cigar situation, not cigarettes, but situational ethics. Situational ethics. A situational ethnic ethics. And that basically the idea is 
truth is relative, whatever works for you. If it works for you, it's true. If it doesn't, it's not true. Everybody has their own truth. Truth is not absolute. But here are two aspects of it that apply to the triggers that lead us into negative stinking thinking. First of all, when we talk about situational ethics, it has to do with figuring out how to fit in to be accepted by others. That's situational ethics. There ain't no scripture in it. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to be disliked. We don't want people to look at us sideways. We don't want people to feel like we're judging them. We want everybody to sit at the table that we eat at. We want people to, to invite us to lunch. We want people to pick us some lunch up. And if they don't pick us some lunch up, then we figure out what is it that works for that group. And whatever works for that group, we become whatever they are, birds of a feather. When I hear the Bible saying, how can two walk together unless they agree? Come out from among them and be ye separate, save the Lord. But we don't want to be separate. We, we want to fit in. And, and those who don't fit in, man, what, we, what we've done now is we've hired the government. We're going to make everybody let us pray now. We're going to make everybody let us sing Christmas carols on Christmas now. We want the world, the government, to do what the church has been called to do. And so we want to fit in. And so whatever the situation calls for, if we got to scream, we're going to scream. If we got to dance and shake it, we will shake it. We want everybody to know we ain't that saved. We go to church, but we ain't all that. I mean, it ain't that. Like that. We ain't got to carry our Bible. We can just use, you know, kind of casually slip our Bible out, and we don't use the Bible anymore. We just take our phone, and somebody might come, what you looking at? You know, you know our cell phones are private, and so we don't, we don't want to be a public witness. We just want to figure out how to fit in. That's situational ethic as it relates to the Christian mindset. And then here's the second part of that situational feeling some kind of way about your situation that can take you on a bad trip in your mind. You can call Uber. I ain't, this ain't no Uber trip. You know, you ready to go somewhere? You can go on a bad trip in your mind because you look in the mirror and a part of your, what you paid for fell out. You done. You wrecked. The day is over. You, 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 you about to tell somebody in tongues that are not, you know, four-letter word tongues. A bad hair day can take you down a road in your mind where you're doing road rage. You ain't in a car either. You're just road raging in on your phone, road raging it in your thoughts. Feeling rejected or disrespected can wreck you. You come to church and somebody didn't speak to you or they raised their voice to you or it didn't go the way you think it ought to. You're not included. you excluded. Now you got a problem with God. It had nothing to do with the word of God. It has all to do with the situation that you responded to in your feelings. Somebody say amen. Sometimes the triggers in our terms of situation ethics is somebody can bring up something in a conversation that you never got healed from. And you just enraged. It's like what was done 10 years ago just happened. And your day, sun shining, brand new outfit, new car, new house, you just went somewhere. The parade stopped, the music went in, back into the old school stuff. I mean, all of a sudden now you done become somebody else in your mind. You're not there anymore. 
you checked out because of the situation. And the devil knows just what situation to set up for you to be somewhere else in your thoughts that will keep you from seeing the need of that, of, of the urgency of a need in this situation. Somebody say amen. Once you get caught up in your emotions, mentally you have taken your hands off the steering wheel. Once you get gone emotionally and now your thoughts are being directed by your feelings, just close your eyes, baby. You're driving and you don't know what you're going to hit until everything, you finally are redirected and you're sane and clothed in your right mind. But the damage has been done. You've said things. You've done things. You haven't cooked. You haven't cleaned. You haven't gone to work. You done shut down everything because in that moment, that situation it turned the ignition in your thought life that caused you to give control over to your flesh rather than the Holy Spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I think you can do more damage with your thoughts being in control of you. Like the woman in Maryland, she goes to work and she's angry. And she decides, I'm angry. I ain't taking it no more. Uh, I'm, I, I just don't feel right. And, and it's going to always be terrible. And, and then she, she decides on a permanent solution to a temporary problem. She takes out a gun. And she kills, she shoots five people, kills herself and three others. Because she took her hands off the steering wheel of her mind by allowing her emotions it's a dangerous thing when we allow negative thoughts to run us. I hear Paul saying, all things are expedient. I've got liberty to do a whole lot of things, but I will not be brought under subjection of anything except the Lord Jesus. Second mile Christian, shut down. There's some things you just need to shut down. You, you, you know yourself well enough. Here it comes. It's about to overtake me. I'm about to become somebody else. <laughs> the thing, that thing, that thought. Shut it down. Close the door. Don't let anybody or anything take you to that place where now you're being totally driven by how you feel. Paul puts it this way. And be not conformed to this world, situations, but be ye metamorphosized, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need a new mind. We need to have the Lord's thoughts regarding our circumstances when the challenge comes. It's all right to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. We love him, don't we, when things are going our way. On a Sunday morning, we cool. But what happens when that trigger kicks in? You sing triple. You're not double. You sing triple. And you, you got your glasses on. Plus contacts. You have an out of control thought life. It's like an elevator that has been the, 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 the brakes and everything don't work. You're just going down. Stay with me. No restraint. That's good word. Good word. Here's another cause, a trigger. Spiritual immaturity. Say spiritual immaturity. Spiritual 
Paul says, or the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 5, verse 12 through 14, though by this time, by now you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come, become need of, in need of milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. You're carnal, you're immature, you're undeveloped. Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised and discerned both good and evil. What happens is when you apply the word of God to your life, every time you hear it, you become exercised in your mind, developed. The word is actually going to the gym and you pumping weights. And what's happening is that area of concentration of truth that God wants to change you from the inside out. When you take Take the word seriously and you obey it. Now you learn how to discern evil from good. But when you don't put into practice what you've learned, all you have is information. And information without application is 18 inches from the wrong spot. And the Bible says faith without, you, you don't know it because to know it is to obey it. Amen. And so what happens is when you don't apply the word of God, you stay in pampers, stinking up the place. Ain't nothing like a, a, an adult having an accident. One thing for a child, oh, God, oh, God. And so when you don't allow this word that you know, we are educated beyond our obedience. We know far more than we do. So here we have an issue when it comes to triggers. We're just spiritually immature. And the first response is not what thus saith the Lord, it's what thus saith my feelings, what thus saith my friends, what thus saith my, uh, uh, what's in the best interest of how, how I'm going to get what I want. Stay with me. We, we, we're going somewhere. But here's the major cause. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. He said, but though we walk in the flesh, we live in the flesh, we're human beings, we do not war according to the flesh. We are at war. Paul says that. He said, for our weapons are not, the weapons of our warfare, this battle that we're in, they're not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down all arguments and every high, and high, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So Paul says there's satanic strongholds that have established fortresses in our thought life. The brain and, the, and our mind are, are not the same thing. The brain is the organ. The brain is the piano. The mind is Don Trey on the piano. The mind tells the brain what to do. The mind tells the brain what to believe. And then the brain tells the toe to move. The brain tells the toe not to move. The brain tells the eye what to see. But it starts with your thought. And so he says, bring down every stronghold, every fortress. Now, a satanic stronghold is a form of mental bondage. When you go through that passage, he's talking about the not, everything that uh, exalts itself above the knowledge. He's talking about your thoughts, your intellect. And this is not your IQ. This is wherever you, however you think. He's, so a stronghold is a, mental, is a form of mental bondage that allows the enemy to control your attitude, Actions, and you give access to your destiny. So a stronghold is a mental block or form of bondage that allows the enemy to work through your attitude, your actions, 
And once the devil has your attitude and your actions, now he can mess up with your destiny. You give the devil access to your future and the, and the future of the generations that come through you. Does that make sense? Satanic strongholds drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit in order to limit your effectiveness for God and to, to, and to torment you with feelings of guilt from repeated failures. And so what happens is when you're under the control of a satanic stronghold that's operating through your feelings and your actions and you fail because you gave into those thoughts again, and you done wasted a day, you done wasted a week, you done wasted a month, and here you are in the same place that you said you weren't going to be in three years ago. Now you're feeling shame and guilt and defeat. And so the devil keeps you in bondage. Satanic strongholds come from, come in many forms. Fear is a satanic stronghold. Anger, perversion. You look at Romans chapter 1, he said, I gave them over to sexual perversion. Men having sexual attraction to men and women having sexual attraction uh, to women and, and animals and children. And it's just out of control. Now, it's, the other extreme is if somebody looks at you and they say that you're pretty, that doesn't mean that they're sexually assaulting you. This is God, I mean, me too, me too. But let's not, what happens is we can be extreme. Let's, let's allow the whole, let's be somewhere in the middle. If it's wrong, it's wrong. But it's not just wrong because it sounds like it fits somebody else's situation. That's the way our, that's the way this country, it's, it, we're on either extreme. There's no middle ground. Somebody say, when we're going somewhere, I done lost some of you already, but that's all right. I don't care. I'm going on. <laughs> Here's another stronghold. Lust. Pornography. Sexual uh, uh, lewdness or promiscuousness in everybody's bed. And you're not a whore because you ain't getting paid. Well, the prostitute gets paid. Whatever. Anyway, let me go on. You're in everybody's bed. Uh-huh, amen. I'm moving on. Self-esteem is a stronghold, low self-esteem, depression, abandonment. Somebody left you when you're young, you still, you can't stand the idea of being alone. And you'll do whatever it takes to have somebody that can be beating you, cheating on you, uh, stealing from you. You're just going to have somebody no matter what it takes. That's a stronghold. Pride is a stronghold. Mental instability. Every time something happens, you just totally fall apart. That's a stronghold. And that's, those are just a few. Whenever you're under pressure, our stronghold is activated. It, it activates its defense to prevent spiritual growth. So here's one of the things that happens. You think you're going pretty good, and then a similar situation and happens or, or multiple things are going on in your life, and what what, the way the flesh works is whatever your go-to is to feel better in that moment, that's what rises up. And that's the, what that is. The stronghold will raise its defenses to keep you from growing spiritually from whatever God is allowing. And so it will defend. It will send you back to the, to the, it'll send you back to the pig's pen. 
It will send you back to your vomit. It will send you back to uh, 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 adultery. It will send you back to drugs. Because the devil is not going to just let you go. And so, so a stronghold is, is the devil's fortress around our mind. And he will do everything that he can to keep the Lord from penetrating it. Because once he does, then you can operate in the liberty of Christ. Now, let me help you this way. Have you ever seen a wounded animal? Could be even your own pet. I remember my little cat had like 10 babies. One of the kittens was struggling. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't breathing right. So I just thought, let me help this little kitten. So I reach over to pick up the little kitten. I, I feed the mother cat. It became my cat. It was a children's cat. Now it's my cat. And I'm all attached emotionally. And I'm celebrating, pulling out the cigar. I got me nine. Well, now I'm not doing pulling out the cigar. But anyway, and, and, and so I'm picking up this little dying kitten. And the mother cat jumped onto my leg and latched onto my leg with all four sets of claws. It was a death grip. Would not, I mean, I tried to get that, that cat would not release me. Now here I am, I'm trying to help a wounded animal. I'm doing something good that will possibly save the kitten's life. But the mother's instinct to protect because she felt the, the, her kitten was, at, was threatened and in danger, she attacked me, even though I was trying to help. That's what a stronghold is. When the Holy Spirit is trying to penetrate that area in your life, what the devil will do, he will respond viciously. The person that's trying to help you, you attack them. Because the devil knows that if they can get through to you this time, if you would just respond this time, if you would simply humble yourself and acknowledge it this time, then you're going to walk in victory because he knows the truth in Christ will set you free. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But the devil is going to rise up and fight you with everything he got to keep that stronghold over your thought life. That cat dig, dug in me. That stronghold will make you think your enemies are your friend and right is wrong and wrong is right. You just double down. That's that spiritual demonic defense against the spirit of God trying to break through. Now, let me share some consequences. I, we looked at the causes. Satanic strongholds. Situational ethics. Sin nature. Uh, We've we, we shared those. Now, let me move on. You still with me? And I'm going to run through these. First of all, one of the consequences is when you allow your thoughts to be under the control of your triggers, you will be a discontented person. You'll be discontented with what God has given you. Paul says, said it this way. He says, now that I speak, not that I speak with regard to need, for I have learned, I've trained my thoughts, I have rearranged the way my mind works, that whatever state I'm in, to be content. But when, when, when you, your thoughts are negative, when the Spirit of God is in control, you will not be happy. You will be miserable. You will never be satisfied. 
unlike Saul, Paul, unlike Paul, King Saul thought that David wanted his kingdom. David wasn't even thinking about his kingdom. You're going to be looking at folks sideways. Because when your thoughts are not, when you are operating from the shadow of your brain, rather than the spirit of, the God, of God in your brain, you're going to see things distorted. She must want my husband. She spoke to him twice. You know your husband can't hear. He just won't submit to a hearing aid. So people got to be yelling at him or sticking their feet out and half tripping him just to say hello. Yeah, I know. So there will, the, the, one of the consequences is the joy of the Lord won't be your experience. You will also be deceived by the father of lies. Paul says, I would not have you be ignorant concerning the devil's devices. He appears as an angel of light. He will keep you waiting until somebody agrees with your wrong thinking. And it can be your mammy. It could be your pappy. It could be your friend. But the Bible says, the scripture says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend will tell you the truth. You'll be deceived by the devil. And one of the ways that the devil has deceived the church is through false doctrine. Oh, there's nothing more disgusting and horrifying to be at the bed of somebody who's dying and somebody's telling the dying person, the devil can't have you. I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. Get up, picking people up, they're breathing their lead, lifting them off the bed, and they can't even die in peace. I don't know about you, but the Bible says that we can be confident, even willing to be absent from the body in order to be present with the Lord. The best thing is not this side of heaven, but the best thing is yet awaiting for us in glory. Satan doesn't have control over life and death. Jesus said, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. Though a man be dead, if the devil ever had control over life and death, you think he'd leave you here? So many deceived church-going folks. Here's another thing that will happen. Delusion, delusional in our thinking. You'll think you know better than God. What's best for your children? What's best for you? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, uh, verse 12, there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end of the way of man leads to death. We don't know better than God, but pride will make you think you're right. All up against the word of God, right? There's nothing, no gray area, no confusion. But here you are operating in the place of God, sitting on the throne where Jesus belongs, determining the direction for that. Here's another. You'll be driven by your feelings rather than faith. The Bible, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? A person who's not controlling their thought life by the Holy Spirit will be controlled by their emotions. God wants us to live with your feelings, not by them. Your feelings are desperately wicked. They will always lead you away from God. They will never lead you to the truth of God. 
And too often we're in our feelings. Yeah, the first thing somebody say, well, I feel. Okay, I feel too. <laughs> and it doesn't, the, the fact is you may feel what you actually are describing, but that doesn't make it factual. So we got to get past how you're feeling to, to deal with the problem. And when you deal with the problem, God can get the glory. Stop focusing on the person and let's look at who, what the issue is, what the problem is. In order to do that, you've got to be spiritually mature. And don't you understand why you're going through what it is and, and you back in your feelings again because that's a stronghold in your life. And you, every time the devil decides to punch and knock you down and push you out of the way in terms of your spiritual journey, he just gives you the test. You fail the test. You're being tested. Delusional thinking driven by your feelings, discouraged because of the lack of spiritual fruit. You don't have any joy. When you're tormented by your thought life, you see other people growing and prospering and the Lord changing them. You can't rejoice. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with, we can weep with folk, but when's the last time you rejoiced with somebody who got what you were praying for and God told you to give it to them? Dangerous towards others and yourself. You wreck your marriage. You got a terrible marriage. Why? Your, your, your wife must be the worst person. No, it's not your wife. Well, those kids that the Lord gave you. No, it ain't your kids. Well, maybe she's unhealthy. Maybe she's got, no, it ain't the medication. You don't think right. And it doesn't matter, Michael Jackson, how much money you make, how many facial uh, uh, cosmetic surgeries you have. If this ain't working right. But the good news for Christians is the Bible says, let this mind, you can think like Christ. You can do all things through him because he's your strength. We don't have to be negative. We don't have to be ungodly. Our thoughts don't have to be war. We don't have to operate by the shadow that's on our brain. We can operate in the clarity and the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit because the Bible says, eyes have not seen nor ears heard what has entered into the heart of God, but he will reveal it. He will reveal it. If we're not operating in our flesh, Saul had 85 priests murdered and their entire families because he thought that the priests liked David more than they liked him. Killed ministers, preachers, because you helped David and you didn't help me. Divine discipline. God will discipline you. When you get a chance, I'm not going to read all these verses. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. One of the things that the Lord says, they had the knowledge of God, but they chose not to retain it. And what they did in place of the knowledge of God, they suppressed the truth in their unrighteousness. And the scripture says God gave them over. He released them to their unsanctified thinking. And when your mind doesn't work right because the Holy Spirit has allowed you to live in the dark, darkness and you can't see the light of God and every thought is evil, what happens is you see now perversion is at an all-time uh, uh, worse rate. There's no limit to the evil that we will do to each other when God has been pushed away. The Bible says when the characteristics of the last day will become wiser, 
more information right readily at the at the, at the at, it's available at a, at a, hand, a tap of our finger. Millions of amounts of information, but we're fools. We're not better off. We got more people on met psychotropic medication. We've got a, a, a opiate epidemic. We got more people gunning people down. This country owns more weapons than all the countries of the world combined. We have more mass murders, but we live better. We got more money. We got bigger houses, bigger cars, but we're worse than we've ever been. God has given this country over, and that's why the Bible tells us if my people who are called by my name, we need to be praying. We need to be reaching out because there is such a dire need. I believe that the hand of God's judgment is at the one-minute mark up to the 12th hour when midnight is about to strike, and Jesus is going to burst through the clouds. We need to be telling people about the Lord to bring them out of darkness into his marvelous light because judgment has come. I don't know how many people that walk away from plane crashes and boat accidents and explosions, and they talk about how lucky they were, and uh, maybe if I, my, my father hadn't, no, 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 no mention of God. The fool has said. Yeah. Divine judgment. Let me give you some cures. We'll be done. Can we give some cures? Yeah. Curing stinking thinking. He says, casting down. Say casting down. Arguments in every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's if you just, summer, if you want to know the formula for cleaning up your mind, that's the verse. But I'm going to break it down and give you some practical suggestions. And I will also add, I don't have this as a point, but some of us need to be in counseling. You need biblical, the Bible says in the multitude of counselors there's wisdom. There's stuff that you've been struggling with and being tormented by by years and hurts that are legitimate that you've not been healed from. And I said, I actually asked the Lord, sometimes the Bible says that the word of God is sharpened into it and sword, piercing and dividing the sun to the soul and spirit and even the joy of the And here's the part, it, it discerns the very thoughts and intents of our heart. You know what that means? There's stuff that our mind will lead us to. We don't even know why we feel the way we do. How did I? You ever get someplace, and, the, and now it's the end of the week, and you ask, how did I get here? Why am I doing this again? I said I would never do this again or think this way or say that or go to this place, and here you are again. Sometimes we need counseling. Yes, we do. That don't mean that, you know, we all, let me just say this. We all mentally ill. You know what the disease is? Sin. You got a shadow on your brain, sister, and I got a shadow on my brain. We don't think right, but not all of us need professional counseling. Some of us do. When you've not been able to break through a stronghold and you've been struggling with it for years, that may mean you need additional help. Let's run, let's run through this. Here are three things. Do not fight strongholds in your own power. Paul says we do not war in the flesh. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And he said, therefore, put on the whole. This is not a, a physical battle. 
You ain't going to win if you try to do this in the flesh. Here's, so, uh, so, here's, so that's the first thing. Don't try to fight strongholds of your own power. But here's what you can do. Secondly, do fight strongholds the right way. He says, but we have weapons that are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We do have weapons. You have what it takes to win, and you must use the equipment. He says, pull down strongholds. You know what that means, to pull something down on your house? You pull it down. That means to, with the idea of totally removing it. In Romans chapter uh, uh, four, 13, verse 14, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It uses his whole title. That's his authority, his, his deity, his uh, humanity. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and here's why, so that you will not make the, the provision for the fulfilling of the lust of the flesh. We need the authority of Jesus Christ to pull down strongholds. You want to totally remove some things. There's some numbers on your cell phone that you need to totally remove. There's some stuff that you've been watching late at night and on TV that sets your mind up for things that are going to lead you into sin. You need to maybe shut cable down. Save yourself some money. Whatever you got to do to pull it down, Paul said, totally remove it. Don't make provision for the fulfilling of lust of flesh. It says, cast down. Say, cast down every argument. That means that you deliberately reject any thought that comes to your mind that disagrees with the word of God. I don't care how angry you are. Don't matter how hard, how, how much they hurt you, what they did. What is God saying to you? Cast it down deliberately. This is not the word of God. This is my feelings. This is my flesh. This is the shadow of my brain. This is the enemy trying to establish a stronghold in my life. And if I allow him to, not only will he keep me from reaching my potential in Christ, but he's coming after my generation because he comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. That's what the devil does. Cast it down. Bring every thought into the captivity and obedience. I hear people say, I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. I command that spirit. And here's what he's saying. Right here, it says, we, we need to take authority over strongholds by bringing our conduct under the, under the obedience of Christ. So the way you bind, the way you take authority it's not necessarily what you say, it's what you do after you said it. <laughs> now go on and say it. But if you don't surrender in obedience to the will of God, you haven't bound nothing. You just made a lot of noise. You might have impressed a couple folk, but the Lord knows it's nothing but clanging cymbal and loud sounds because there's no effort behind it. Binded by obeying the word of God. Taking authority is more than making a declaration to Satan. It requires dying to your flesh in obedience to the word. What have you died to lately? What have you died to lately? Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy. The only problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off of the altar. We got to die. What are you dying to? Where are you growing? Are you comfortable where you are as a wife, as a husband, 
As a believer, what are you growing to in order to grow? You've got to die to something. We're almost done. Bring every thought, every thought under the authority. Does this honor the Lord? What I'm about to do, what I'm about to say, where I'm about to go. If it doesn't, you're outside the will of the Lord. And you will not be blessed. You may feel good for a moment, but ultimately the Bible says when sin is conceived, it brings forth death. The end of it is destruction, not blessing. Be sure your sins will find you out. I want you to know your, your thoughts will keep taking you places. Taking you places. Stay with me. We're done. Radically take action against attempts to hinder your complete obedience. He's saying being ready in verse 6 to punish all disobedience as you are working to fulfilling what God has called you to do regarding obedience to his word. So as I'm growing in the Lord, the devil is not just going to let you keep growing, but every time he raises up an attack against the growth that God is intending, you need to punish that. You need to take radical action. You need to take whatever step. See, when I got saved, my life became his. I'm no longer my pro the property. And that what happens is when you belong to the Lord and we don't do what's right based on the mind of God, there will be conviction. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We will struggle. But there ought to be a struggle. Sin shouldn't feel so good. It shouldn't be so easy to do. But if your mind is not on Jesus, if you're not being transformed by the renewing of your mind, if your mind is not being re reprogrammed, the devil will hack out <laughs> the truth of the word of God. Are you willing to allow the Lord to renew your mind? Are you willing to repent of the damage that you caused because you allowed your mind to take you somewhere where you just lost it and now there's devastation in the path that you left? There's a hurricane that your bad choices have caused in other people's lives. We need to repent. We need to allow the Lord to reprogram our mind. We need to rely on the spirit of God. That's the only way we're going to do this. Stand with me. Some years ago, a mother of four children, she brought her oldest daughter to my office. And that family had just gone through a devastating experience. I'm not going to give all the details because you might attach it to someone. But one of the things that had happened is that the father just left, left his family of four children. And then there was some, on the part of the oldest girl, there was some rebellion. She was hurt. Understandably, when, when marriages break up, there's going to be consequences on the children. But after a few years, this young girl grew taller than her mother. And so when she would be sent to Christian school, she said she was gone, but she would get a call. Never saw your daughter today. And so that was happening pretty frequently. They meet with the principal. They pray with her. They put holy oil on her. They did everything they knew how to do. And then she started coming in late at night. 
and stealing from her mother's purse. One day her mother was trying to get to church and she literally physically gripped her mother up and pinned her against the wall. And she was stronger than her mother. And so she finally convinced the girl to sit in with me for counseling. And sometimes this happens, it doesn't always happen. But the Lord showed me that Satan was setting up a stronghold in this girl's life, that she was getting ready to move from rebellion into mental illness. That was the shift. And that's what, that can, see, when you play with sin, you don't forgive people, you hold grudges, that can become mental illness. And someone has said that 85% of the people that have spent time in mental illness and on medication, if they would simply forgive the person who offended them, they would never have to take, an, never have to take a pill again. And so I, I, I sat there with the young lady and I said, Red, children obey their parents, et cetera. I talked about how if a, young, if a child put their hands on their parents' ministry, they could be stoned in the Old Testament and so forth. And then I looked at the young lady and I said, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. Tears running down my eyes. I said, the devil is, wants to destroy you. I'm pleading with you. Do not cooperate. You are cooperating with the devil. You have given him a place of entry. And if you don't roll it in, if you don't take authority and submit to the will of God for your life right now, you may never be able to return. She looked at me. She shook her head and said all the right things. About a month later, she was gone again. And what happened to her and to this very day, that young lady is now on medication, living on the street, doesn't have any relationship with her family. And I want you to, it was preventable. It was about taking authority over your thoughts. You can have a great marriage. You can have a, a wonderful relationship. Take authority over your thoughts by bringing them under the obedience of the word of God so that you will glorify Jesus. That's how you take authority. I want you to know the choice is yours. Don't wait until you feel right about it. Obey the word of God. Our weapons are not physical, but they're spiritual. Are you willing to obey? Somebody say amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap to